Yes, this is the Narbos and Broomheads podcast, but we are taking a break from reviewing Degrassi episodes. We're going to shift our focus to my so-called life over the next few months. We hope you'll stick around for this journey. If you want to touch base with us, all of the same social media, at Narbos Podcast on Twitter, at Narbos and Broomheads Podcast on Instagram, and Narbos and Broomheads at gmail.com. If you want to talk to us about my so-called life or come on to an episode, please let us know. We will get back to Degrassi episodes after we're done reviewing my so-called life in a few months. Don't fear, though. If you're missing that content, we've got well over 150 episodes of Degrassi reviews for you. Head over to anywhere where you listen to your podcasts and go back into our history. Hope you enjoy them, and hopefully you'll enjoy our reviews of my so-called life. Let's do it. everybody even though you know it's like 10 days in but who cares happy new year from your pals at narbles and broomheads and you've probably missed us because we took a week off there is no substitute for your friends at narbles and broomheads huh see what i did there (laughs) yeah because um now i'm going to shoehorn that into the title of this episode the substitute which is a my so-called life episode as we continue on this journey but uh, leading the way, at least for this episode, is me. I'm Alan. Nice to uh, talk to you all again. I am recovering from a cold. There's absolutely no one who could have been sicker than me over the holidays. And anyways, let's pass <laughs> things over to Ted. <laughs> it is me, the in- uh, contagion incarnate. <laughs> I, If your bingo score sheet said, who is going to get COVID next? It's your boy, Teddy. So thank you. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for finding me at the GoFundMe page. It kept me in chips. And uh, so I appreciate that. Have you been enjoying everybody asking you what you got for Christmas? Yep. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, the lineup and the pitch and home run. (laughs) More specifically, Ted, what's your go-to chip when you're going to buy all these chips? I had to have Lay's salt and vinegar chips. Like, I was... I was I was like a zombie going, God, ah, I want to have them. There was something about it. It was like this really weird, deep craving. So, uh, so yeah, you either I did had get... COVID or you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell. Uh, so everybody, uh, I mean, you're you're how how close are you to being 100 percent? Like, are you getting better? I'd mm-hmm. say I'm at I'd say 80 because I want to encourage you all to send in your cards and letters and emails to us. Uh, because just like back in the uh, 70s and 80s in pro- professional wrestling, when like Hulk Hogan would get hurt, and then they would be like, oh, please send him your your cards and letters. And so people would, and then they would use that to catalog like their fans to send out to send out advertising. <laughs> <So dirty. laughs> yeah. And you're on the mailing list. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Uh, well... Uh, welcome back somewhat to the land of the living and uh thank you, yeah thank you let's uh head over to someone else who probably had a very successful holiday because i know they were so looking forward to going to calgary let's talk about all the adventures going up the calgary tower and going out to Banff for a day and experiencing a chinook i, I can't wait to hear about it arlo how was your holiday I never made it to Calgary. (laughs) 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 Uh, The airlines melted down and uh, we got grounded in Regina. So we had a quiet uh, Christmas at home. Um, We tried to get on a flight for about six days, I guess. And, and, um, you know, after the billionth cancellation, we were just like, "Mm, I don't think it's going to happen. Honestly, if I lived in Regina, I would try six days to leave as well. So, <laughs> well, we never actually went to the airport. Like my my brother in law, who works for WestJet, kept on checking the flight loads for us and being like, "Okay, there's still room. Okay, there's still room." And so, like by the time we were like, there was one time when we were about to leave for the airport, and just when we were about to leave, the flight got canceled, 
and he was able to catch us in time. So we never actually left the house for the airport. So I do feel lucky that we didn't spend Christmas like in on the floor of an airport in Cuba or something like some people did. So I do feel blessed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> uh, all right, Tim, was your Christmas successful at least? Come on. Well, I mean, you, you listen to days and days on like people's flights getting canceled. My parents couldn't make it because st- the town of Stratford was literally closed for three or four days in a row. Oh, yeah. Uh, you had like a huge weather event, right? Like a blizzard or something? Well, one would say Ontario might have had a big weather event. But here in Oakville, bubbled up by for whatever we are, we didn't even have a, a flake of snow. We had oh, green grass. Right. A little bit of rain, uh, and it was kind of like we were in a little vortex. So I don't know what you're all complaining about, because it was pretty easy. On <laughs> well, I mean, that's the the city slogan, right? Oakville, paradise of Canada. Uh, so. <laughs> so, yeah, Sometimes. actually, a pretty, pretty good Christmas from our end, all, all things being equal, considering what other people had to deal with. Yeah, so it was pretty easy going here. We didn't have to go anywhere, so we didn't go anywhere. Um, and it's been nice, actually. I escaped the bad weather for the lovely, lovely weather of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. So, which Ooh. actually wasn't that bad. It was very weird. Like, Arlo, you'll know this. In fact, you still know it because you're in Regina. If you're in December or January and the temperature is better than, like, minus 10, it's like a bonus day. Like, Oh, yeah. It's like balmy. You're yeah. like, I gotta get my bikini on. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> And that was me walking around downtown Winnipeg in my bikini. So, uh, yeah. So we're all back from the holidays. Oh, I just remembered. As uh, I'm gabbing on here, I have uh, I have mail to talk about. Someone Ooh, actually Christmas cards. Yeah, I was going to ask some you know people to write us, but someone actually did write us. Our old pal Jill McKinnon from lovely Prince Ooh. Edward Island. Oh, uh, hey, hey. Says Arlo. Thank you, thank you, thank you for suggesting the NKOTB Christmas special. Yes. Words I never thought would be in my email ever. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the cartoon being that bad, but I obviously had my NKOTB blinders on back then. Uh, and then uh, her favorite Christmas specials. Can anybody guess uh, Jill from Prince Edward Island? Uh. The Anne of Green Gables Christmas special. <laughs> yes. The CBC oh, used to air Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Green Gables, the sequel, the last week between Christmas and New Year's. It was often the highlight in my Christmas vacation. And to this day, I love these shows. And I have, I have also uh, have to mention the Road to Avonlea Christmas special. <laughs> Happy oh, Christmas, oh. Miss King, which stars a very young Lauren Collins. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, I love Anna Green Gables and Anna Green Gables, the sequel, the miniseries. Um, I don't associate them with Christmas specifically, but I do remember them being an event whenever CBC would replay them. This was before they were, you know, widely available on DVD and that kind of thing. So I'm with you there, Jill. And I've never seen that Road to Avonlea one. I'll have to seek that out. Yes, there you go. I mean, wait till next Christmas. Christmas is over, everybody. So... It's true, and immediately on the 26th of December, I have zero appetite for Christmas anymore. (laughs) For real! Like, it leaves my body overnight, it's... Lovely, the spirit of Christmas, everybody. Uh, Yeah, for real. So, narbosandbroomheads at gmail.com if you want to write to us, and uh, let's uh, let's pivot over to the substitute, shall we? Uh, Before we talk about this episode, which aired on September 29th, 1994, and is episode 6 of My So-Called Life, uh, we have two teachers on this uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. So... Have has anyone out there been a substitute or been had themselves uh, you know relieved by a substitute at any point? Yes, <laughs> uh, I, I was never actually a substitute teacher. I was lucky enough and kind of got a job right away. But um, we don't call them substitutes here. We call them supply teachers here usually. Really? What? Yeah. Let's go around. So you, yeah, because Ontario they call them supply. Yeah. Uh, Win Winnipeg in Manitoba is it substitute? It's substitute in Newfoundland, like or sub. I mean, I don't know if they use the same terms now. When I was going to school, it was the substitute. Yeah. Yeah, we used to use the yes. substitute. Yeah, always supply here in Ontario. Mm. Really? Interesting. 
new marketing for the substitute teacher. Yeah, yeah. So was it <laughs> new and improved? When like, how does it work? Is it still like, is there just a pool of people waiting at home for the call, or do you have extras sitting at school? Like, what happens? Um, sorry, the answer to that is kind of yes to both of those things, sort of. But realistically, you you might have some teachers who don't have full time tables that can supply that can substitute. Um, so they might try and fill them up first. Then there's a pool that you can just, so like, let's say you need a, you need a, a substitute. You would put into a program that we put into and it, it would start calling out teachers, but you could specify who you'd want as well. But the problem we've run into ever since COVID is, uh, we have an extreme lack of, um, supply teachers. Mm. And there's a lot of times where jobs don't get filled right now. All right. Go yeah. Ontario. So if those don't get filled, what happens to the class that the kids are in? Uh, well, it's just Lord of the Fly style. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Put up. No, what, what usually happens is then we go to what's called on-calls, and then you, you, you use the teachers that are on their off periods in high school. So we teach three or four periods a day. One of the periods we have off, but we have to supply or we have to like um, mm. have a coverage on one of those. Usually in once a week, you might get what's called an on-call, where you just you actually act as the, as the supply teacher. But... Um, you only have so many contractually that you're allowed to do. So if they exhaust all those, then then they have to start figuring stuff out. So typically, um, we never come close to exhausting them. But there was lots of times where we would have to give up a supervision, like say you have to supervise the cafeteria or whatever. You'd be giving up that to do an, to do an on call instead, and they got into a lot of trouble. But normally, over my teaching career, you never come close to touching your whatever that number is of. Uh, but most teachers got really, really close over the last sort of like two years. So that's then I don't know what they do. Tim, you're a phys ed teacher, right? Uh, yeah, strictly now. Yeah. So like if I wanted to write a sitcom episode, it would be like, oh, we need somebody to fill in for home ec. Here comes the phys ed teacher. Fall hopper. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's actually funnier the other way around. There's lots of teachers who won't come down to the gym to supply or oh. they won't do on calls. They complain about coming into the gym because they can't handle wow. the, the energy of the gym, I guess. Would be the best <laughs> <laughs> Takes a special kind of guy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you'd be surprised, so, like, right? People will complain about how easy phys ed teachers have it till they have to sometimes spend a day down in the gym and then they realize mm -hmm. how exhausting it is at the end of the day mm -hmm. being in that, in that spot all day long. Yeah. yeah. So in, in the case of this episode, this is more like a long-term substitute position right like the the teacher the original teacher quit um yeah, and yes. you get the feeling that if things hadn't have gone awry that uh he might have stuck around for longer kind of thing so in a case like that like is there a different pool of people that you would call for like a more permanent substitute position well in, in ontario that after about 10 days of, of using a supply teacher it converts to what's called a an LTO or a long-term occasional position. Okay. So those are typically like, if you think of it like a mat leave or a, like a stress leave is typically. Right. And so those jobs typically uh, have to be interviewed for. Right. So, but they would interview typically like the, the substitute grouping of teachers. And that's sort of kind of like your first foot into sometimes getting a real, a real job would be like doing <laughs> these and then sort of getting some good references, at least in Ontario. Um, All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks, from Tim. Substitute <laughs> teaching is not a real job. <laughs> there you go. The elite. Well, the elite amongst us. I went to a French immersion school, and it was the only French immersion school in my school division. So we pretty much had like a rotating cast of like four substitutes. It was always oh, yeah. the same people. And uh, so... They were pretty much just staff in the school. Like they, they weren't they weren't there on some days, but like you just you knew you were gonna get like one of four if your teachers weren't around. Um, to the point where you knew exactly what to expect with these substitutes. I will tell you that none of them were inspirational enough to encourage people to come into the class during their spares <laughs> or to uh, skip other classes. You, you don't say Yeah, not at all. In fact a lot of people just left. So <laughs> Well, 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 I can tell you that when we were in elementary school, my, my aunt, who was a retired teacher at the time, was a supply teacher. And when she came in, you high five because she paid no attention. And 
we could just do whatever we want. It would be the days where if she was outside, you'd be playing full contact, like ball hockey or whatever outside at recess. You'd be doing nothing in class. It was incredible. So yeah, we had the same, same kind of idea. I think some of the kids know who they can play off of and not. Like, I don't want to shit on substitutes, but like, is your mandate basically like, look, just make sure no one dies. Like while you're, while they're in your class from a day-to-day basis if you're just in there for one day sort of it's just like you're there the teacher who's gone should be leaving work that the kids cannot be taught right that just is you know like some homework or work on this project or whatever yeah that's typically what they're doing like they're not they're not coming in typically to teach anything yeah like be ready to call 911 if something happens and otherwise fuck it right be an adult in the classroom and (laughs) kind of thing well Shall we talk about what happens with uh, the experience of Angela and gang with their substitute? Yes? Oh. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we start off this episode. We get a montage of clumsy teachers as Angela speculates if teachers are actually human. And I love that because there are so many, like, there are act- so many actual, like, real teachers watching this episode. <laughs> you know? But I guess, I guess when I was younger... It would have been interesting to see my teachers out in the wild, even though my mom was a teacher. Um, also, as like as much like shit and as you know as goofy as I was in school, I never really thought of my mom as like the same teacher as the teachers that I interacted with. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's just my mom. But anyways, yeah, it's it's just how you look at it when you're a kid. You know, you don't think about teachers that way. You know. Uh, so we've got this classroom. With no teacher in it again. I, I think it's the same one. What was the name of that teacher who fucked off? Was it Mayhew? Yeah, Mrs. Mayhew. Yeah, so I think we're still in that class. And so the, the kids are still going to the class, which is this interesting. Is what I don't get. Like, they, would, they, they wouldn't be going multiple days without a teacher in the class. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah, this has been an ongoing trope for like five or six episodes. And... Yeah, this teacher isn't showing up, yet the kids still seem to show up in the class and then just stay there and fuck around. And in this case, someone's actually have a has a boombox and they're playing, like, yeah. rad hip-hop music and people are partying. They like, are playing as... a TLC song called What About Ooh. Your Friends? Oh, what about your friends? The same as when, like, a woman in a movie uh, is sick in the morning, it says pregnancy, it uh, same as you can tell a classroom is off the rails when there's a boombox. You yeah. go, oh, that's a crazy classroom. <laughs> <laughs> these these kids aren't listening to anybody. Forget it. So we finally do get a teacher that comes in, and everybody immediately settles down. And for some reason, he's so. I mean, the, everybody, this is Mr. Racine, and he's going to be quirky and inspirational and different, uh-huh. as we're going to get into. And and at the very start, one of his quirks apparently is that he's like Razor Ramon. He loves the toothpicks. Oh, yeah. And he offers kids toothpicks for some reason, and, like... Well, the tooth the toothpick is like the Kool-Aid. When you start seeing people with a toothpick, it means that they've started to drink the Kool-Aid, and even Graham alludes to this later in the episode. So, oh. initially, no one is drinking the Kool-Aid. Right. So, Arlo, did you look up who this guy was? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> yeah, please tell us. Because he Don't has the craziest accent. It's Roger Rees. Um, sadly, he passed away in 2015. So, R.I.P. Um, mm. I best know him as either uh, Rebecca's boyfriend, Robin Colcard, on Cheers. Or as the Sheriff of Rottingham in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, that, yes. Maybe that's where, that's where cheers. you would. He also probably cheers. <clears throat> he kind of shot to stardom. He was—he's actually a stage actor first and foremost, or was a stage actor first and foremost. And he, I believe, was either nominated or won an Emmy for *The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby*, um, which was on Broadway. And then there was a miniseries about it. And then that's sort of when he came to prominence. And then he's been in just all kinds of things. But from sort of our age group or whatever you probably either know him from cheers or from robin hood men in tights he he had a brief role as lord john marbury on the west wing which was hideous not the show <laughs> the show was great but this character i i wanted to turn the tv off 
uh, when he was on. He was like this, <laughs> like this quirky Englishman that they, you know, that they would deal with as through their, you know, various diplomatic endeavors. Ugh. Like a quirky supply yeah. teacher. Yes, very much so. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so. He tells the kids that they can keep wasting their time. He's just there to get paid, which is, I believe, what most substitutes would feel. Uh, so Sharon uh, asks if the class is dismissed, and he says, I'll be there for the next 47 minutes, and you can decide if you want to stay. And it also of note, uh, Sharon at this point is wearing her boyfriend, Kyle's jacket. So Jordan, of course, is confused about everything in his life. And asks if there's a catch if he leaves. And initially, uh, Teach is like, yeah, no, not at all. So Jordan gets up to leave, and then he's like, well, yeah, there is. <laughs> um, and the catch apparently is, they'll talk about him in his absence. Which, if it was me leaving the class, I'd be like, have at it, and I'd be gone. <laughs> he adjusts his socks, and... Lo and behold, Angela notices that they're mismatched because he's quirky. Mm -hmm. So she asks what they're supposed to do. And he says, follow your hearts and stay away from heroin. And I'm already annoyed. <laughs> uh, you're not inspired. So before we keep going through this, everybody, if you've seen this episode and you probably have because you're listening to this podcast. This is supposed to be what this the the teacher who swoops into the school and then inspires all the students, right? This is the the dead poet society teacher that's happening here. So we're establishing these things that make him quirky and interesting and unique, and I think that that so far it sucks. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh come on, yeah. Well, so I mean, I, I I think part of the juxtaposition is supposed to be like if you'll remember the last teacher that took this class who was the secretary or something like that, and she came in and she was trying very hard to get everybody to calm down and to pay attention, and so he comes in and doesn't give a shit if they pay attention or not, and so of course now everybody is extremely intrigued, mm -hmm. which I mean I think that's the point, not that I think it would happen that way, but. Um, yeah. I mean, as we see as we go through this episode, the writers clearly have a very good handle on how, like, you know, high school students would behave, right? Just so much mm -hmm. realism as we go through this episode. <clears throat> I had some, like, I, this, this, this episode is a little cringe for me. There's so many cringe parts. But for the sake of show, having to show, I tried to, like, think that well that would never happen in my high school there was never someone who was that inspiring like when I went to high school and like maybe that's the point is that of course there wasn't that's why this guy is so special it's because he really does inspire people in this way like what also, what if there was a substitute teacher who did do that and the reason it's so amazing is because that would be so rare yeah, and they also say, like, this is so amazing. This is just like that episode of The Simpsons from three years ago <laughs> when Lisa had Mr. Bergstrom yeah. came in and inspired Lisa. It's like it's like TV. It's like life is mirroring television. Wow, what a country. Uh, so one person who doesn't seem inspired by this guy is Brian Krakow. Shocking. Yeah. Shut up, Brian. Yeah, Brian brings us back to reality and says that everybody's supposed to contribute to some sort of literary mag literary magazine. So we learn that apparently the students of this school write stuff and then it gets sent over conveniently to Angela's parents' printing shop. Probably mm -hmm. the only one in town. And they publish a a magazine with all the students writing. Like I, I'm just thinking if I was in high school, the last magazine that I would buy ever. And <laughs> <laughs> did it strike anybody that it made it seem like it was only this one English class that was writing the stuff for this book? Yes. Right? Like that would like that doesn't make any sense. It it feels like whatever grade Angela and all these people are in, this is like the only class of them. Like, you know, when I was in all our schools, if you were in grade nine, there would be like six grade nine classes yes, or whatever. hundred percent. Yeah. This one seems like this is the only one. I would say we, at our school, we might have 12 grade. What is she? And we'll say like, is she a sophomore, like grade 10? Nine or 10, 10 I think. 
So we might have 12 grade 10 English classes at our school. <laughs> yeah. And assume one is going to write this book that is just seems like this big, huge tradition at this school. Like it's very saved by the bell and the fact that it is very isolated to this one class all the time now. Yes. Well, and, and everyone that we know leaves. is in that class. Exactly. Yeah. Or comes to the class. We didn't even belong in the class, but we'll more about that later. Yeah. And, and I was like, I tried to explain it away in that, like, this is specifically English lit. So, like, if they're able, like, everybody has to take, like, basic English, but then you can take an elective of, like, English lit or creative writing or something like that. Uh huh. But then why the fuck is Jordan Carolano in this <laughs> there class? You there you go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Stretch, yeah. Like. <laughs> so Brian wants the teacher to read their work so that they can get credit for it. So thanks, Brian. Uh, mm-hmm. So now we're at home, uh, apparently in the middle of the day. I don't know here, but uh, <laughs> Patty tells Graham that there's some sort of work issue that's that's taking place, and so she'll take care of it, and he can take Danielle to the Girl Scout cookie booth. Uh, Graham says that he will cancel his pool game with Neil to do it. And then Patty says that they need to call the English teacher about printing the lit magazine. So again, there's your tie-in. Of course, the teacher who they need to contact is long gone. So she tells Graham to call. Um, Graham then says that Patty forgot to buy kitty litter for a cat. (laughs) Have we ever seen a cat in this fucking house? Do we ever see a cat? There's apparently one episode where we see a cat. Cool. But we haven't yet. Yeah. Right? Okay. Oh, more cat. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Enough Graham. Get out of here, Graham. Nobody likes you. Yeah. Leave so Danielle is pretty much useless. Bring bring the cat out. <laughs> <laughs> I want now I want to see the cat. So Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so they uh again, this conversation with the three of them taking place apparently at the same time as school is happening, so I don't know what's going on there. But we're back in class. This at- conversation made me angry. Oh, please. And I just, I wish Courtney was here to talk about it with me. <laughs> Let me guess which line made you the most angriest. Yeah, go ahead, guess. Could it have been, we need to hire a wife? She said, we need a, a wife. Or what Yeah, which is stupid and <laughs> misogynist. They need an organizer or they need an assistant or something like that. It's not or a wife like, who has to like do all of the things. <laughs> and just the amount of emotional labor that Patty is doing. Like, and I, you know, I appreciate that Graham is trying to pitch in and help, but it's still Patty who's the one who has to do all of the delegating for all mm-hmm. of their household tasks. And that takes an, a huge amount of unseen labor on Patty's part and she's still blaming herself for not having things organized enough you know like again like Graham's willing to do whatever she tells him to do but that's not an equal partner <laughs> oh, I'll do it okay oh, well, I hate it here <laughs> fine <laughs> shut up Graham <laughs> anyway anybody else listening who is familiar with the concept of invisible or emotional labor I know you know what I'm talking about so I will leave it there. Wow. All right. There you go. <laughs> Back in class, uh, Mr. Racine is reading the submissions, these these literature things. He says they're boring. Um, I, I He hasn't read many of them out loud, but I have no doubt that they are. Uh, he calls them fake, false, synthetic, and bogus. He asks what these words all have in common, and he calls on Jordan because... I guess he can, you know, he's got a sixth sense to find the stupidest person in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Or he remembered he wanted to leave. He left the day before. So he keeps pressing on Jordan to tell him what kinds of words they are. And my fucking jaw hit the floor when Jordan actually correctly called them adjectives. (laughs) Well, he did list off every other single possible English device it could have been before he said adjectives. He did. Yes. He did. He kind of handed it to Jordan on a silver platter there. But you know what? Dumb kids need confidence. If you have to help them along, hey. Yeah, oh. yeah that's what the dumb people of the world need. Confidence. 
because <laughs> that makes the world a better place. You know, though, the if stupider. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if Arlo was a substitute teacher in this class, she'd be looking at these papers and being like, fake, false, bogus. And then she'd lay eyes on Jordan to be like, sexy, gorgeous, amazing. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Adonis. Haiku for him. <laughs> So he calls the papers god-awful crap, and he hurls them out the window outside of the school. And I'm just like, like, those papers may as well have been my puke as I watch this scene. (laughs) (laughs) So edgy. Yeah. Brian is, of course, not happy about this. So then that evening, for some reason, which... I don't think we actually get like a really good explanation for this. Brian is at the Chase's door, almost like I I feel like he just wanted an excuse to be at Angela's place. Uh, Danielle answers the door and tries to push Girl Scout cookies on him. Graham is in the midst of sewing her proficiency badge. Patty sees that Brian has brought an oak tree poem that Angels or that Angela wrote, and there's a footprint on it. So I guess Brian went outside and picked up all the garbage. And then he brought this poem back to Angela's place. And I'm like, dude, you just wanted to get in that house. I think he just found Angela's poem and he's a fucking stalker. Yeah. So he showed up <laughs> yeah. like a creep. He, yeah, he totally sniffed it too. Crack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you dart bag. Uh, so Patty wonders where the other articles are. And Brian's like, new teacher threw them out the window. And of course, Patty, totally appalled. Uh, yeah, I think he was probably being a bit of a whistleblower, knowing his parents aren't paying attention. But if he goes there, he knows Patty will maybe cause a stink if he, he does it. Yeah, I, I was thinking that to you. Uh, Angela doesn't think it's a big deal, and she's annoyed that Brian's even come over, and so am I. Uh, so then the next day, as class ends, Mr. Racine is talking with Jordan again, telling him he needs to participate more in class. And he gives him a copy of, I think it was of Mice and Men. Which, yeah, I, I didn't catch it. It was a John Steinbeck book. But which I would yeah, imagine that, he'd be that like, makes sense. yeah, he'd be like, Jordan, there's a character named Lenny in this, uh, <laughs> in this book. You might identify with. <laughs> we'll see. Do you have any rabbits, by the way? So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he then sees uh, Angela uh, still in class as well. And Angela protests that what he did with throwing those papers out the window wasn't right. It was not respectful. And she says she put a lot of thought in her, into her oak tree poem, which as like, if I was saying that sentence out loud, I'd be like, I, I could just see in my head, like I'm lying as it's coming, as the words are coming yeah. out. Like, Well, and she's really <laughs> just par- parroting exactly what her parents said to her the night before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oak tree poem. Let me guess. It's strong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Keyword. Let me. Yeah. yeah. I think. I got you. I, I think the point is like they, they're telling Angela to stand up for herself. And then she's like, yeah, stand up for myself. That's what I need to do. Like, that's a good way to be. I need to stand up for myself. So then she goes and tries to stand up for herself, like with the words that her parents gave her. And I think this comes mm-hmm. into play later when she decides to stand up for something but anyway so he says to her well i did it to wake you all up and to clear the slate and then his big inspirational line that poem was yesterday what are you gonna write today (laughs) and it's so inspirational that we cut to commercial as we as we look at angela's like (laughs) as i'm sticking my finger down my throat right now yeah (laughs) yeah yeah these, this episode, you know, I love this show, but this episode is a little, it's full of like, con, like just cliches and things we've seen before. And it's just kind of clunky with yeah. how they do it. I, I'm cringing. <laughs> so <laughs> we then have Rayanne coming to speak with Angela uh, or she actually comes into the class because now word is spread about this substitute who threw all the stuff out the window and I, there's really nothing else that we've seen him do. He has toothpicks. That's about it so far. Um, the socks, Alan. The socks. The, yeah, the socks. socks. And I mean, you know, at this point in time, you know, my Degrassi PTSD is like, when does he molest the students, right? Like, 
<laughs> Melanie's the in the progression. Yeah, Melanie's in the back of the class and like he's such a hunk. So uh <laughs> so tall. So so Rayanne mm. wants to check out this sub, and then when Mr. Racine comes in, Rayanne's like, substitute my ass. He's the real deal, which I don't get. So, yeah, so he then uh, Mr. Racine is like, I want to start over with these written submissions. I want anger. I want honesty. I want nakedness. Of course, nakedness makes Rand's ears perk up like a dog. She's like, that's me. <laughs> uh, Brian mm -hmm. wants to say something, but uh, he gets interrupted. Mr. Racine says, write down your stuff and don't put your names on it. So great. Um, <laughs> so you can, no one can get credit, I guess. It's cool. Uh, he starts to talk with Rayanne. Don't you understand, Alan? Mm. Uh -huh. Grades aren't important. It's how you feel. The journey. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <clears throat> yeah. He starts to call out Rayanne, who then claims or tells him, like, I'm not even in this class. And he's like, well, you're here and I see you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. After class, Rayanne and Angela are telling Ricky about the subs toothpicks and mismatching socks and Ricky is fascinated it's like telling a child about Santa for the first time you <laughs> need to see the socks like, tell me more about socks what so we come to another class and now there are more kids in this class okay look and there are more kids using toothpicks telling you in in high school if I had the world's like hottest teacher teaching and they promised to be completely naked for their class, I still don't know if I would go if it wasn't my class. But in this school, everyone's pouring into this fucking classroom to see this teacher teach. Who knows? Well, and they're staying. They're staying. Yeah. So that's what's crazy. And like, so are they skipping other classes? Are they all on spare and going to this class? What the hell is going on here? Like, presumably, if you th if you think about this, right? Um, back to the let let's say that there are four classes of of kids. Let's say you know, um, in this grade, wouldn't they all eventually have a class with him? It's almost like it's the only class of the day where he teaches, so they all have to pour in. Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, the uh, and, oh, and also, also, some of the kids have fucking toothpicks. Yeah, <laughs> of course they do. They bought in. Yeah, again, so, let's go back to the Simpsons episode. Remember when the uh, kids went to the gym and they brought the people in with the yo-yos, and so then the <laughs> next, so then the next day, all the students had yo-yos uh, at school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what this yeah. feels like. I could be the greatest teacher alive, and there ain't no kids buzzing their head because I'm bald. <laughs> well they're not drinking the cool the cool yes i'm not the greatest teacher i was yet. gonna say like inspire them more buddy yeah what do I you need to throw out grammar and throw out punctuation get rid of that in my class yeah like what have you what have you done yesterday it doesn't matter what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah, tomorrow to clean that slate yeah uh then we get yet another scene where mr racine is walking the hallways of the school and the fucking students are all walking around him and laughing like oh. like he's the pied piper <laughs> kind of makes you wonder what he's like in, in these montages where we don't know what he's saying like what are these nuggets of wisdom that he's like lying like laying down in front of all of them he's just like yeah and fuck the police <laughs> <laughs> I mean from what we've gotten from him so far it feels to me like he's just fucking lazy right like He's like, look, <laughs> submit things. Don't put your names on them. Fuck grammar. Let's just read and waste time together. Like, right? And then someone's like, well, what does that mean? And he's like, what do you think it means? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I'm a stupid kid. <laughs> I don't know. You're the teacher. Like, at some point, I'd be like, he's not, he's not amazing at all. He's just fucking lazy. Shut up. He's the best teacher I ever had. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. Oh, it's a gem. <clears throat> so we are back in class. So now the lights are out in the class and candles oh, are burning. Uh, like it's fucking midnight. It's like, you know, there are windows in the school, right? And it's daytime outside. So that's not going to work. Also, no way they're going to let you write like light candles all over the class. This is fucking stupid. Uh, kids are doing the <laughs> writing. And now quirky Mr. Racine 
doesn't have his shirt tucked in, but he's still wearing a tie. <laughs> and so many more kids drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, but the one who is still not, Brian, on those toothpicks. Brian Krakow, still not happy. So he then, I guess, throws all of these written articles into just like a big sack. And then, sack. Yeah, and then he gets the kids to pull out a different article and asks them to read uh, what the articles were. So well, He doesn't want to mark, so this is them marking it for him. Yeah, yeah, again, he's like, what grade would you give it? <laughs> uh, he asks Sharon to read one that she pulled out, and she says she can't read the handwriting, but then she gives an attempt to read it anyways. And it's about, what is it? It's about being in, I wrote it's about being in the fitting room. I don't know if that, if I misspelled yes, that. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's about like the the fitting room. And uh, I mean, I think it's probably about body confidence or something like that. Okay. Uh, kids keep reading. And again, Mr. Racine is like, forget about spelling and grammar and the rules. <laughs> so Ricky starts reading an article and it's called The Fable. And we can see right away that Angela wrote this one. <clears throat> so it ends, apparently, with people being made of paper, and when they're blown a kiss, they fly away, which, whatever. Rick, <laughs> yeah. Ricky, seems, so Ricky seems to know that Angela wrote it. The class laughs, but Mr. Racine says, it makes you feel and wonder, and, and Angela seems pleased that he has given this kind of feedback. So Brian is asked to read next and he doesn't want to, but uh, Mr. Racine insists. So it's a haiku that he has to read and it's a sexy haiku. Ooh. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Do tell. Dick, 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 dick. Vadge, 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 vadge. Dick, 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 dick. Uh, Badass. <laughs> <laughs> so as he's reading this sexy haiku, Everybody, I, 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 it's assumed at this point that Rayanne has written this, of course. Uh, people are laughing. Brian doesn't want to continue. So Mr. Racine grabs the article out of his hands and reads it. And it's super sexy and totally fucking inappropriate. Like, And he would never have read it if he was of, of any ilk of a teacher. Yes, absolutely not. Uh, Guys, that's censorship. <laughs> I'll take this one. I'll take this home to read. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> With my chips. That one's for, that one's for daddy. <laughs> Uh-oh. So he asks what... Uh, he's like, what would we all do without hormones? And again, I'm like, we're getting into Colby territory. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's just back uh... off a little bit. Uh, so he then asks Jordan if it's a real haiku. And of course, Jordan doesn't know. <laughs> So what? he so he takes a book and he tosses it onto Jordan's desk so that it slams when it hits the desk and he's like, "Well, look it up." And this is in front of everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And again, uh, spoiler alert: he's the best teacher that Jordan ever had. So <laughs> braiding him and making him look like an asshole in front of everybody. Uh, Rayanne says that the poem should be printed in the lit. Brian is appalled by this. Uh, Mister Racine doesn't see why we shouldn't print it in the lit. And the bell rings and the class ends. So a couple little uh, Easter eggs of the kids in this class. Um, the there's only a few people who sort of read a poem out loud. So the the guy with the long hair, his name is Daryl, um, but the actor you might recognize. Uh, he played opposite Christian Slater in Gleaming the Cube. Have you ever seen that one? And uh, also was in the Stoned Age. What? And oh. <laughs> You know that that's like oh. like one of my favorite movies of all time, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I knew that it, that you were a fan. What's his name? Uh, Art Ch 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 Chudabala. Just spell it to me. I C H U. I can't read my own writing. C H U D A B A L A. Got it. Okay, keep going. I'm going to figure out who he played. Okay, great. <laughs> Um, so the beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous black girl. <laughs> she's yeah, she absolutely is, she is really attractive. stunning. That's how you know this is filmed in like LA and not actually <laughs> in wherever they're supposed to be, Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, so this is Melinda Williams. And uh, she was in all kinds of, you know, the usual suspects of people of color, 
you know, in LA at this time. So like Sister, Sister, Moesha, The Cosby Show, stuff like that. Um, also was uh, prominently featured in High School High, if you remember that movie. And she's part of an ongoing Christmas franchise, it seems like. So, uh, Marry Me for Christmas, followed by Marry Us for Christmas, followed by A Baby for Christmas, followed by Merry Christmas Baby, followed by Chandler Christmas Getaway. So, if you recognize her and you love bad Christmas movies, that's probably where you know her from. Excellent. Uh, this guy played uh, Art Chudabala, who I'm obsessed with now. Uh, played played a character in the Stone Age, but named Mike Dick, who hang uh, who hung out yes, with a guy named Mike, Mike New York, um, and was also prominently featured in scenes where uh, they would try to get their dumb friend uh, uh, Norman Hankey, who they called Snot Rag, to steal beer for them. But then they were unimpressed with the beer cans that he got for them because they were not talls. So, so just trust me, greatest movie ever, Stone Age. I'm glad I've improved your viewing experience of oh, this episode, Alan. This is now the best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you had the full review on the mezzanine sleepover. Oh, right? we sure did. No. We yes, sure did. Yes. Uh, yep. So Great episode. Angela tells Mr. Racine that the fable that he was talking about was hers. And he says he knew. Uh, but then he is distracted because he is obsessed with Jordan. And like... Again, it's like, if he's going to be a molester teacher, Jordan is probably, you know, not the worst choice uh, to, yeah. to hone in on. Jordan, who, by the way, looks like 40 years older than everybody in this class. <laughs> like, when I say that this teacher is honing in on Jordan, I don't even feel guilty about saying it because Jordan is clearly 25 and totally. Yeah, yeah he's like... wondering if he went to school with Jordan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we have them together again, and he's trying to get Jordan to read, and then he tells Jordan he needs him to read ten poems at night, and is like, get out of my sight! So yeah, he handles that really well. Yeah. Uh, Graham walks in on at the end of this interaction, and he wants to talk about getting all of the submissions for this lit, and Mr. Racine interrupts, and he's just so upset with this random man who he does not know at this point and is like, can you believe that that kid can't read and no one has noticed? He's like, it pisses me off. And Graham is like, I just want articles and to get paid for the lit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and also by the way, like, I mean, I guess we haven't put two and two together, but Jordan Catalano's name has come up in the chase household, right? And Graham, I guess, still doesn't know that that is the Jordan, the can't read boy. So I don't know. I don't think it's come up that. I mean, it's come up. It's come up with Patty. Yeah. But she's like denied it. I don't know. Well, Patty knows who Jordan is because uh, Rayanne's mom right. was talked about how she right, wanted to fuck right. Jordan Catalano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she told Patty. So and, is Arlo. And you know, and you know, Patty is in the bedroom. Same girl, same. Yeah, and you know, Patty's in the bedroom with Graham later, being like, "This Jordan and bitching about him nonstop." Yeah, and Graham, yeah, you're right. You're and right. Graham's like, "Oh, do you want to fuck him? Do you want to fuck me?" Like, you know, <laughs> we all know that that's happened. Anyways, so we're back at the Chase home. Uh, Patty is looking through the lit submissions and asking Graham if this teacher is crazy. And they're also trying to figure out which one of these uh, articles is Angela's. And Graham says the teacher is a pretty cool guy. And Patty says... I don't know where he read that from. Was it the, the, the chastising a kid or... Right? Like, would they, have, they must have had a conversation we didn't. Maybe it was just the toothpick. That's all I needed to see. He's like, Graham, you are doing this printing job that you hate. What are you going to do tomorrow? <laughs> Well, that was yesterday. Yeah. Don't forget, he took the toothpick. He did. There, ergo, he drank the Kool Aid. Uh, Patty says substitutes have bad names and haircuts, and so this sub must be a narc. <laughs> uh, Patty sees the poem, the sexy poem, and how do you think she initially reacts to it, everybody? Anyone want to guess? How does Patty react to the sexy poem? I wouldn't imagine well. She's like, front page. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, she, I I she, lamented at this moment that Patty was such a prude, and then I turned to my husband Drew and I asked him, like, like when do you become a parent? Like, do you have to just <laughs> become more prudish? Like, is that just something that happens? And he said. Not necessarily, but when you have a kid, you sometimes start looking at things differently because, you know, what's okay for, like, what you used to think was okay, you wouldn't want your kid to be doing it. Uh-huh. So then it becomes hypocritical yeah. to be like, it's okay for someone else's kid to do it. So he's like, for my daughter, like, I don't want her doing porn. But like it would be hypocritical for Father me to be like, yeah, it's, right it's, fine. it's fine for your 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 kid, right? So it changes your perspective on what's okay and what's not. So I really it, like it, that example. I don't know, like so it just like it 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 makes it, it makes you think about things differently, and sometimes that the result is that you become more prudish. Like my daughter's only nine, so I mean. I mean, I I don't think I have to have the uh, I hope you don't do porn conversation anytime soon. <laughs> It'll break your father's heart. But there don't are, do get it. off the pole. <laughs> but, there uh. some, uh, but there are some things that her friends sort of do or they watch on television sometimes where I'm like, I don't think I'd want you watching that kind of stuff just yet. Now, she doesn't. She's she's pretty. um I would say she, in certain things, she's kind of a bit of scaredy cat, so she doesn't doesn't veer too far into into certain things. But um, I can see, like, you do become a little more wary of of what your own children are doing, where you might necessarily have thought, well, I don't really care if, if someone else is watching that, but I don't understand why those parents are letting their kid watch that or do that or whatever it might be. I, I think Drew has some some truth to what he's saying there. My, uh, I had I had a backyard wrestling federation when I was, uh, <laughs> I'd like to say when I was in junior high, but it was when I was in university, uh, <laughs> where we recorded our matches, and there's still video out there of this. And my best friend who was in it said to me like a, a while ago, like years ago, but but after his son was born, I will not let my son watch that until he's sixteen. <laughs> And to which to which I replied, like, really, dude, come on. Like, by the time he's 16, I kind of was like, how old were you when you first saw porn? And he was like, I don't know, like 11 or 12. And I'm like, yeah. And that was before the Internet. So (laughs) and that was before the backyard wrestling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like so that but yeah, that my perspective is kids are going to see it anyways. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I get it. I am not a parent. So. Uh, so we have Graham talking about freedom of expression. Patty is not into it. She wants to call Mr. Racine and talk about it. And Graham keeps reading it and and he's like, do you think it was Angela? And at this point I'm like, do you know your daughter? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like it all, come on. Well, and earlier Patty's like, oh, we need a sample of her handwriting. And I'm like, have you never? She's never yeah. written. You've never seen anything that she's written before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about this though. Twenty years ago, whatever it was, like we wrote all of our stuff by hand. There was no computers for everything you did. Not crazy when yeah. you think about it, right? Like now, I don't. Kids don't do anything handwritten for me in class. It's yeah. all all on computers. But you know, I remember as you guys probably do, sitting up and finishing writing your essays by hand, and then having to rewrite them into a good <laughs> copy before you submit it. <laughs> Lovely. Ah, yeah. So we're back at school. Mr. Racine is, is he's sitting on his desk. And I, I think he's like, I think the direction was like, try to look as cool as possible. And it does not work. <laughs> but cool to who? He's by himself. Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah, he's sitting on his desk, like, yeah, in an empty classroom. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, Patty walks in and is like, Mr. Racine, we spoke earlier. Uh, I'm Angela's mother. And he says, "Oh, I spoke to your husband the other day. He's a lucky man." I uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Patty says she wrote the submission, or she uh, uh, had the submissions. And uh, Racine speculates that Graham didn't approve, but Patty's like, "No, no, no! It was me that didn't approve of it." And he asks if she thought that Angela wrote the sexy pro poem. But Patty says she just doesn't think that the content is appropriate. 
and they have this conversation about censorship and adolescence and guidance and blah, 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 blah. But then Mr. Racine tells Patty that her opinion is total manure. <laughs> I'd be like, you've been in this school for two weeks. Like, fuck you. I don't know. <laughs> I think I like in my eyes like patty is totally in the wrong here like she you know if she wants to like call a meeting of the pta to discuss it or something like that then that's her prerogative well, but he- like in terms of as the printer like it's true she would just be using her privilege to censor something which is not what printers are there to do so i mean i i agree with mr racine as uh- um smarmy as he is in a, in a, like, philosophical context, I agree, like, don't censor it, right? From a business perspective, Patty is taking on this print job for the school, which is a public institution. And there could totally be backlash on your business for this kind of stuff, right? Well, I mean, you can say that you're not going to, that you won't accept the job. Yes. That's your choice. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree there. Like, if she said, look, our comp- you can print this somewhere else. I mean, or but, she could go to the, I mean, whoever the customer is, you know, if the customer is the purchaser for the school or the principal or whatever, she could go to them well, you know or who whatever to confirm their approval or something like that if she wanted to. But just going to like the random teacher and being like, I'm not going to print this. That's not appropriate for a printer to do. It's funny too because I didn't even I didn't even see it as her coming as the printer right away. I, I just came I was as a as a parent kind of being against printing it, and then she just happened to be the printer. I never even thought about it till he brought up the fact that oh you're saying this as the printer. I was like oh shit I wasn't even thinking that. I was just like she was being Patty, who is the kind of mom that would be against having that printed for kids. I never even thought about it from a printer standpoint. Well, and then the other thing here is so this substitute that's been in the school for two weeks is now responsible for this project, which is being funded somewhere, right? Like, someone's paid for this. Yeah, these yes. aren't going to be free. Yeah, so, so and and he's now the one, like, oh, hey, besides subbing this class, you're also responsible for this annual lit thing that we, that we put out. I guess. So, they uh, have this conversation, um, and again, as uh, you kind of alluded to, Arlo, he says, well, Patty, you shouldn't get to decide because you have a printing press and I don't. He hands the papers back to her and it appears that he's actually changed Patty's mind. And she then asks him if Angela wrote the sexy poem, but he just smiles at her and leaves because he is a mystery. Uh, mm-hmm. And we cut to commercial and I think that that's where we will pause uh, this episode and end part one, and of course we will get to part two next week, where do we find out that Mr. Racine is uh, uh, just a, a great dude who inspires Jordan how to read and changes Brian Krakow's mind and makes him a non-incel, and they print the lit review and the school is famous, or do other things happen? We'll see what happens. <laughs> Only time will tell. I, I will tell everybody, who, if you haven't seen this, he does not molest students. This is not Degrassi. Uh, he does not turn into at least on screen or implied molester. So, <laughs> so uh, how are you all feeling so far? Well, I can say this is probably my least favorite episode of this show so far. Um, but I still enjoyed it enough that on my first watch, I totally forgot that I was supposed to be like analyzing it and paying attention to background characters and things like that. So, I mean, it does speak to it being somewhat enthralling for me. I feel like it's an episode that wants to be deep with how it's handling things, but I feel like, as I said before, it almost leans more towards, um, a Saved by the Bell type episode versus what the show has kind of been recently. Uh, I, I looked it up again. Like I'm big on seeing what these IMDb ratings are. I think it got like a 8.6 or 8.7, but it ended up being like, wow, that's that's high to me. Like I this like I don't really like this episode. Leave I'll leave it at that. But it, it was ranked as the eighth best episode for this series. So out of what 19 episodes, it was eight. So there was there was 50 percent episodes that 11 episodes that were worse. But then I happened to see an article that said revisiting the episodes 20 years later. And then they ranked it as like the fourth worst, fourth worst episode upon review. So I think maybe we're on to it too, where it's like maybe in the in the zeitgeist of the '90s, it might have been 
wow, look at this. But now when we look at it, thought maybe not so much. I did read an article, um, uh, someone's opinion on this episode, and I thought they were pretty apt. They found it annoying that uh, it was like, they find it annoying when writers of a show make it seem like writing has the ability to change everybody's life (laughs) because they find it lazy because it's like, okay, like you, a writer, we get it. It changed your life, but it doesn't have the power to do that for everybody. And they are tired of the trope of that happening in (laughs) these school episodes or whatnot, because it's like the writers writing what they know. And uh, they're saying how it'd be refreshing if someone, you know, if, if a whole class found themselves through like field hockey or something like that. <laughs> so I thought that was that was pretty apt as well. So it is kind yes. of a an annoying trope a little bit. I mean, what doesn't yep. work for me in this episode is that the magic of this teacher happens too quickly, right? Like he right, he, yeah. he shows up in the class 100%. and like. Within five minutes, everybody is like head over heels over this guy, and and they haven't they haven't given me enough to convince me of it yet. And so yeah, I agree. So Everyone I'm just not... else is sucking on the toothpicks, and we're not quite sucking on those toothpicks yet. You know? Yeah, I'm not seeing the thing. Like again, let so let's talk about you know, or if we think about his uh, teaching relationship with Jordan, right? If you gave me a glimpse into him making this breakthrough with Jordan, that was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, as as a hint, for example, then I'd be like, "Holy shit!" Like, that's that's different from any other teacher. This guy gives a shit or whatever, right? But we get nothing. He's just walks into the class, and there we are. Toothpicks. Well, if everywhere. they just would have handled that one scene when um, Angela's dad walks in, where instead of yelling at Jordan and throwing the book and saying, "You have all this work now, get out of my face," there was like some positive sort of happening there like oh great you're hitting it high five see you later tomorrow you know and then at the end saying i can't believe no one's taught him to read before it's like okay you're doing something good you're actually look in this part you actually look like you are harassing this kid yeah (laughs) yeah and i think a cardinal rule too of like schools and teacherhood is like you don't talk tales in front of parents about the rest of the school and the rest of the teachers be like nobody taught this kid to read you don't do that because you're throwing everybody else under the bus. Yeah. And even if you're a substitute, you would be very mindful of that to go like, keep it tight, baby. Don't tell a random parent who you don't know. Say, nobody taught this kid to read. I think that's, yeah, yeah. stunned. I don't, yeah, not a thing. Uh, all right. So we will uh, be back in a week's time and we will go over part two of the substitute and... Yeah. Maybe we'll well, Alan, before we go, can we play a quick little game? Oh, yes. I'd like I'm to sure. bookend. I'd like to wrap these two episodes around a game. I looked up some some shows from the late 80s and 90s that had substitute teachers plots, and I'd like to see if we can guess what those shows are. <laughs> oh. oh. Are we good? I'm going to call this which show had this substitute teacher plot. I mean, do we have the buzz in? Title's a working title. Okay. So I'm going to give you the synopsis of the show, and I'm going to see if you can guess the show. We're good? Yes. All right, I'm going to try it first to remove any of the names that would just give it away too easy. <laughs> You're like, right? in this episode, Bart. Oh, got it. <laughs> right, exactly. So we're going to remove that away. All so, right. Uh, our first one, okay, the synopsis is the main character and his best friend wish their teacher, who is a beloved TV teacher, by the way, wish he would get sick so they don't have to write their geography exams. When the teacher ends up in the hospital and the boys get a substitute teacher, the main character feels guilty. Buzz? Buzz, buzz, buzz? Arlo. Uh, Boy Meets World? Nailed it. Good for you. Oh, Boy nice Meets World. Job. Season 1, episode 22, I Dream of Feeny, which was the season finale for the first season. All right. All right. Number two. We'll do maybe four. Okay. I got, I got eight of them. We'll do four now, four later. All right. So, in episode number two, one of the members of the house takes a job as a substitute teacher in the youngest child's classroom. Parent, teacher, advisor, president, Mrs. Carruthers becomes this not-so-secret admirer. Anybody? Buzz, buzz, buzz. Ooh, Arlo, again. Full house, maybe? Full house it is. Oh, shit. Episode five, with love. Yes. We know what Arlo was doing on Friday nights as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) TGIF. These are no, so I was ab- I was I was about to buzz in and Arlo interrupted me and I thought how rude. <laughs> 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 All right, 
Number four, a student needs a helping hand when her substitute teacher, with a love for sweaters and silk, the most sensuous of fabrics, <laughs> makes a pass at her. Buzz, 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 buzz. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> I think we all know the answer to this one. <laughs> we do. This podcast wouldn't exist without Degrassi. <laughs> That is Degrassi, season two, episode two, helping hand with the aforementioned Mr. Colby. All right, and the last one we'll do uh, for this episode. Um, The principal's brother, Rod, a substitute teacher, arrives at the school to teach the gang's histories class. Excuse me, history class. Rod proves instantly popular, and soon the principal is dismayed to find that the kids prefer his brother to him. Rod promises to take the class whitewater rafting, but when the former love enters the plot, Rod takes off and leaves his brother to clean up the mess. Buzz, 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 buzz. buzz, buzz. buzz. Okay, go, Arlo. Arlo. You you can't go. Um, It's uh, Saved by the Bell. Yes. It is. Season 2, episode 15, The Fabulous Belding Boys. Oh. All right, and we'll do we'll do the other other four maybe on uh, next week's episode. Yeah, maybe. yes, can't wait. exciting. <laughs> All right, Arlo wins. Hooray! Yay! Uh, uh, if you want to tell us about your thoughts on this episode or your favorite story about a substitute or a, a TV show that had a substitute, it's uh, narblesandbroomheads at gmail or ping us on uh, Twitter at narbles podcast, Instagram narbles and broomheads podcast and i'm alan you can find me slip with five eyes or slip uh tim uh you can find me at folly t on twitter if you want to follow me heading out to uh arlo and i'm a-r-l-o-e-s-c-o-t-t on instagram teddy and i'm ted at say three on the instagram machine and make sure to write in if you had if you had to pick a substitute teacher which one of us would you pick <laughs> on the say three so you can tell me there or you can email us wow who would be funnest I, none of think? the above oh come on Barry I choose Barry <laughs> yeah uh, alright everybody so uh, yes please tell us who would be your favorite Narbos and Broomhead substitute teacher that would be uh, mm-hmm. amazing and uh, we will see you all in a week peace later Bye. see you next time Bye-bye. well I just said I don't get my love I would never do my homework would stay up late and dream about Kylie I would never get girls out of my house Maybe I would I would walk around and got naked Don't you get to my dreams